Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. So we are created to connect. There's a great deal of research that's been done on our need for human connection. In fact, I started thinking about this. It kind of strikes me. It's interesting. Have you ever thought about the fact that when a baby is born, they, they come out crying? I think, I think it's because they want all the attention, right? They're trying to connect right from the very beginning to get, the, to get all the attention focused on them. They want, us, they want us to pay attention to them. We need to connect. We seek relationship from the moment we are born we need to connect and we talked about the technological advances in our lifetime and all their promises of connecting us and so now because we're so and I'm going to use the air quotes correctly unlike Joey some of y'all know who I'm talking about I'm going to use them correctly we we are judged by how well we connect online and so now the 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 standard by which we know we're connected is this how many friends do you have on Facebook uh, 338 friends on Facebook so see some of you are depressed right now because you've got like three and so this week you're gonna be you don't even have to know them. you just make them your friend did you know if you get 5,000 friends you can't get any more friends on Facebook that's the limit some of you are gonna try to reach that this week we want friends we want to be connected that's what we judge our connection by well there's some research that I think is interesting I came across it says that the limitations on brain capacity and the amount of free time that we now have that the human can only nurture about 150 true friendships on social media. Um, and then they begin to break it down. They say on average that most of us have five intimate friends. Then they say out of that, uh, beyond that, we have 15 best friends. And that we have 50 good friends. And that we have 150 friends and 500 acquaintances, and 1,500 people that we can recognize by sight. But they, 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 out of all this study, they come to this conclusion, that the 150 layer is the important one because this, divine, this defines the people you have real reciprocated relationship with, those where you feel obligations and would willingly do favors. So they're saying that for most of us, we have 150 people in our life that we would willingly do favors. I got news for you. I don't have 150 people in my life that I will willingly do, especially if you own a truck. Because if you, if you own a truck, everybody's your friend when it's time to move, and you don't want to do favors, right? So, so uh, out of all that, we've discovered this, that in, in a new study, they've suggested that, that fewer than 3%, listen, Fewer than 3% of our friends can be relied on during a crisis. And they begin to uh, study it and they said, uh, even with all of our social media friends, that the average person will only turn to four people for help. So despite all these ways that we have to connect with one another, uh, it, it, it's a fact that we feel more lonely than we ever have. 
um, from a, it grew from 11% in 1970 to 20% in 1980 of people who felt lonely. The last study I could find was in 2010. It had grown to 35% of Americans feel lonely on a regular basis. Um, compared with 1985, nearly 50% more people by 2004 said that their only person that they can confide in is their spouse. So what does all that mean? It means that even though we are designed for connection, even though we want and long for connection, that for most of us, we spend a lot of our days feeling alone together. In a crowd, surrounded by people, but feeling alone. So, I want to talk to you, I, I, I just want to challenge you, in this series we've been doing, we've been trying to get very practical, very practical this morning for you, but um, I, I just want to challenge you this morning to get your head out of your app long enough to recognize that we need to be connected. And one of the essential connections that we need as human beings is this, we need friends. Uh, I, I, last week I, I read uh, or I, I mentioned and talked about uh, the marriage relationship and the family relationship. And most of you, when I get ready to read the passage of Scripture that I'm going to read to you out of the Old Testament, you're going to think that I should have read it last week. Because the only time you ever hear the passage of Scripture that I'm going to read to you this morning is during weddings. We are... Preachers always use this passage of scripture during weddings. It's, it's interesting to me that if you go look it up uh, in the heading above where the scripture starts, it, it says principles of friendship, but we use it for weddings. You know, the, you know it. It's in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We, we want to jump to the last part where a three-fold cord or a three-strand cord cannot be easily broken, right? That's a marriage scripture. But you got to read that about friendship? Yes, because we've missed the packages, the package around it and what it says. I want you to listen to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I'm going to read it to you in two versions, beginning in verse 7 down through verse 12. And let's see if maybe, just maybe, all of us preachers have gotten it wrong. Maybe this isn't really, I'll still use it, but maybe it really isn't about marriage so much. Maybe it is about friendship. Listen to what it says. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Then I returned and saw, I saw vanity under the sun. There is one alone without companion. He has neither son nor brother. Yet there is no end to all of his labors, nor is his eye satisfied with riches. But he never asks, for whom do I toil and deprive myself of good? This also is vanity and a grave misfortune. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Right, let me read it to you out of another version. I turn my head. And saw yet another wisp of smoke on its way to nothingness. Listen to this. A solitary person, completely alone. No children, no family, no friends. Yet working obsessively late into the night. Compulsively greedy for more and more. Never bothering to ask, why am I working like a dog? Never having fun. And who cares? 
more smoke. A bad business. It's better to have a partner than to go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other one helps. But if there's no one to help, tough. Two in a bed, warm each, each other, uh, but alone you shiver all night. By yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. This is an incredible passage of Scripture that speaks to us and confronts what I think is perhaps um, one of the epidemics that we face as Americans, in particular in our Western mindset, overcome by materialism and consumerism. We spend, the, the writer confronts this fact. In fact, he calls it, he says it's vanity and it's a grave misfortune. And he says this, basically in, in, in my terms, he says it like this, you can spend your entire life on getting stuff that doesn't really matter. You can, you can work all day long, all night long to get more houses, more cars, more clothes. And at the end of the day, if you don't have anybody to share it with, you've wasted your life. And then the writer goes on and he begins to show us all the things, uh, basically what he's doing. This is uh, the, in Ecclesiastes, most people believe it's Solomon writing this. Solomon, the, the wisest man that ever walked the planet other than Jesus, has come to the conclusion that there are benefits. There are some things, a list. He gives us a four-part list of some of the benefits that you, if you have friendships, these are the benefits that you should get out of the friendship. May I also suggest to you that if, if you make the conclusion that these are the four benefits of, of being friends with someone that you should expect and that you should see, may I also conclude then that if you don't have any friends, you miss out on these benefits. That is the logical conclusion. So let's see what he says. He says, the first thing that you should expect and receive as a benefit of friendship is this, success. He says it like this. He says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. So my question this morning to you is this. Who in your life is coming alongside of you to make you successful? Because what I've recognized is that on social media, what we discover is that there aren't a lot of people trying to help us to become successful. In fact, they spend all their time doing just the opposite. They tear us down and they try to destroy us. Who do you have in your life that you can count on as a friend that's trying to make you better than you are, that's trying to make your dreams come to pass, that's trying to make you successful, that's trying to build you up, who's working for you? Uh, there's, a, there's a business term, um, it's called ROI, anybody know what ROI, all the business people in that see, uh, Teresa, oh yeah, there's a couple, so, so, so the writer's saying that if you have a friend, there should be ROI, return on investment. The, the, the people that we count as friends, if they're really friends, they would make us more successful than we are by ourselves. And if they're not working for you, then the logical conclusion is they must be working against you. And you cannot count them as a real friend. doesn't matter if they're following you on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and all the other stuff that they can follow you on. It doesn't really matter. They should be working towards making you better than you are. The second benefit, he says, is that uh, not only will you be successful because of your friends, you will be, one of the benefits is that they can rescue you. Um, 
he says it like this. He says, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls. Doesn't say if he falls. Says if he, perhaps he falls. It says, woe to you who, to, to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. So my question to you this morning is this, is who do you have in your life who will rally when you fall? Now, maybe, just maybe, maybe in this room, I know this is a special crowd. Y'all come a little later. So that means you got all your beauty sleep in. You've already had lunch, and you're feeling really good. So maybe this crowd's a little bit different. Maybe, maybe I'm only talking to the people in the first service because I figure in the second service, everybody in this room has never had a bad day. I mean, nothing's ever gone wrong. You drive, and every light turns green. You go home, and you give commands to your cat, and the cat obeys. Sit stay, lay down. It's like you've got them programmed. Your kids never disobey. Your, your work never is hard. You're perfect, so you don't even understand what I'm talking about. But for the rest of us, I want you to understand that for the rest of us, we fall. It's guaranteed. It is guaranteed that we will fall. And so we need people that will, instead of fleeing from our failures, they will dash in to deliver us. I, there's a passage in Scripture, Proverbs. I started thinking about this. I, 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 can't, I, I can't prove it. I don't think I can prove it. Maybe I can prove it. Maybe by the end of this message, I will prove that I'm right. Maybe. But if I'm not, just humor me. I, there's a passage of Scripture in Proverbs that says this. It says, the righteous man can fall seven times. Seven times. And then it makes this disclaimer. It says, even though he falls seven times, you know what it says? He'll be able to get back up. So can I, can I just maybe, maybe can, can I just make a hypothesis and then try to prove it that by the end of the message? Maybe I can. That maybe the reason that a righteous man can walk along and fall, and all of us do. Maybe a righteous man can continue to walk and fall and fall again. Seven times he falls. Maybe the reason that it says that a righteous man has the ability to fall seven times and get back up is be directly related to the fact that a righteous man has friends. I'll see if I can prove it. I'm not going to prove it right now. I'm going to keep you hanging. Could it be that having real friends who will do more than just cheer for us when we're winning but will come and comfort us when we're crashing determines whether we're able to get back up. Have you ever crashed and burned? Have you ever, maybe this week, maybe you're in here this week and this week you crashed and burned? But did you have anybody that came in and rescued you? That would come and see that you've fallen and say, I want to give you help. There's, there's an old commercial. It used to be the butt of all the jokes because it was so badly done. It was, it's, a, it's a poorly done commercial. I mean, it's bad. It's still around today. It's still playing today. I see it every once in a while. It, 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 here, here's, the, here's the scenario. They show steep incline down steps, and at the bottom of the steps, there's an elderly person laying at the bottom of the steps, and you see the wheelchair off to the side. And the, 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 it's usually a lady. She's falling, and she's on her back, and she's screaming, I've Help, I've fallen, and I can't get up. It's horrible. It's a horrible, it's a horrible commercial. But that business continues to thrive today 
It's, it's most like, I would guess, it's a multi-million dollar business simply based on the, this idea of selling a little button that an elderly person can push so that if they fall, they can get help. My question to you this morning is this, as badly as the commercial is done, is who can you buzz when things are going bad? Who do you have in your life that you can call at 2 a.m. and know that they will pick up the phone? Research says that it's less than 3% of our friends. My question to you this morning is this. Who do you have in your life that you're so connected to that you could call them at 2 a.m. and they would respond and they would come to your rescue? If we don't have somebody like that, then we suffer not only in silence, but we suffer in isolation And the writer says we need a friend. The third benefit of friendship is this, insulation. Now, in the the text, it reads like this. Two in a bed warm each other. Alone, you shiver all night. And because of the way we think, we we make that all sexual. And some of y'all that are single are like, yes, sir, I'm single and ready to mingle. That's not what it's saying. I don't, think, I don't think this passage has anything to do with sexual in nature at all. I think, just look, you humor me. I wonder if the, what the writer is trying to get us to understand is the concept of this, warmth. Warmth. Insulation. You need folks that know you and will act as a buffer to your worries. You've got to have somebody in your life that becomes a buffer. You need somebody in your life that is a barrier to your disappointment. You need somebody in your life that will insulate you from your own depression. You need somebody in your life that will stand up and insulate you from your own fears and the the voices from the outside, but also from your voice trying to talk yourself out of God's blessings, out of your own destiny, out of your own dreams. You need somebody that can provide that kind of insulation in your life. It's about warmth. I don't, I don't know if you've, um, if, if you've thought of this, but I thought about this. When I, when I spend time with people that feel lonely, they always seem to use two descriptive terms to try to articulate how they feel. They, they, they always pick one of two terms. They either say dark or cold. And I wonder if maybe the writer understood that it is having a true friend in our life that produces warmth for us. That our ability to connect with one another relationally and to know one another and to to be intimate and, and provide insulation, that that provides a warmth in my life so that when I'm going through the struggles in my life, I don't feel cold and I don't feel uh, dark and there are people that brighten up and give me warmth. The fourth one is this. He says, not only do friends make you successful and not only will they rescue you and not only will they insulate you, but they will provide defense for you. He says it like this. He says, by yourself you're unprotected with a friend, listen to this, listen to this, because you've got to make the logical conclusion. With a friend, you can face the worst. So let's make the logical conclusion. Without a friend, you cannot. 
defense. You need a shield. You need someone who will stick with you on your worst day. Um, I, 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 I don't know all about your anatomy, but, but I know about my anatomy, and I, I recognize that I don't have eyes in the back of my head. In fact, I think my mom does, but I have never been able to, to, to ascertain that I have eyes in the back of my head. So I need people in my life that I count as friends that will... will act as a defender for me that will watch my back that will because isn't it true that the enemies of our life whether they're in spiritual in nature or whether natural in nature they always want to sneak up on you from behind right i think there's something called the armor of god there's only one piece missing back plate so they can they want to sneak up on you from behind and and the writer says you need somebody that will come along beside you and watch your back that will defend you and protect you that will stand up and say, I got your back. You don't have to worry about anybody sneaking up on you. That you don't have to worry that I will defend you. Listen, I just want to be honest with you. The Bible, I love the passages of scripture that says that God is my defender. He's my strong tower. He's my shield. He's my source of strength. I love that. But there are some stinking times where I need Jesus and God with some skin on and have somebody standing behind me that will protect me from things I don't see coming. We gotta have defenders. We gotta have people that will rally when we're facing our worst day. In the New Testament, uh, well, back up and say this is uh, the, the, what I just given you. These four things. That's the benefits of friendship. That's the benefits of brotherhood. That that that, that those things are the perks of partnerships. These are the favors of friendship. Do you have anybody in your life? That's giving you those four things. Is there anybody that you're providing those four things for? In the New Testament, the writer uh, of Romans, which was most likely Paul, he begins to implore and say, you need friends. So let, you say, well, that's Old Testament. What about New Testament? Okay, let's, let's go to the New Testament because that's where I'm going anyway to prove my hypothesis. In Romans chapter 12, Paul comes along and he begins to implore to us, you need friends. He says it like this in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. He says in the Message Bible, Be good friends who love deeply. Then he comes back in verse 15 and 16. He says this, Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Sounds like the list, doesn't it? Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. So this is what I want to say to you this morning. I know your Facebook friend list may be massive. You may have thousands and thousands of friends. You may, your Twitter, your Twitter feed, man, there are people that follow you like crazy. They want, they, they, they wake up every morning going, I wonder what so-and-so is going to have for lunch today because I know they're going to post it on Twitter. And I just got to know that they went to such and such restaurant at 1130 a.m. and it was delicious. I just got to know. Some of you got all these people following you on Instagram. But can you think of somebody, anybody? Who does those four things for you? But I want to go one step deeper. Because what I've, rec what I've come to recognize is that there's a passage of Scripture in the New Testament that calls us to a new level of friendship, a deeper level of friendship. See, what I want to do this morning is I want you to dig down a little deeper than your friend list. I want you to get, I want you to, to narrow your focus enough 
to identify whether or not you really have anybody in your life that's a friend. In fact, this passage of Scripture takes us to a whole level, another level of friendship that we need. And I want you to pay close attention because it's a very, very familiar passage of Scripture. But I want you to pay close attention because what the writer in Galatians does is he puts a, a description twice in this passage that says there are qualifications that must be met in order for us to say we're friends. Are you with me? Listen to what he says. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. He waits one word to do it. He starts it. Brethren. Okay. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, here comes the second one, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens... And so fulfill the law of Christ. So a quick, couple quick first th thoughts real quick. I, see if I can prove my hypothesis. First he says, brethren. That is an important label. Then he goes on and he says, those of you who are spiritual. Okay, y'all are looking at me like first service did. Unless people are brethren, spiritual, then they don't meet the qualifications necessary to be able to impact you spiritually at the level that our friends are supposed to, to be able to impact us. He says this is restricted. This is re reserved, if you will, for the people in your life that are brethren and spiritual. So let me say this. Let me say this. Let me say this. You guys know that I've never been against us going outside these four walls. I have begged you to, to, to reach out, to make friends with people outside the walls but there is a level of friendship that is reserved only for the people that meet these qualifications they're brethren they're spiritual so why do you keep turning to people on Facebook and turning to people at work and turning to people in the club to get to get wisdom and understanding on spiritual matters like who you should date and who you shouldn't date and who you should marry and who you shouldn't marry and how you ought to use your money and how you ought to raise your kids and how why do we keep turning to people that don't meet the qualifications when the writer says you got to have people that are brethren spiritual that can speak to spiritual matters. We've got to be connected to people. Now let's get really practical. For that to be true, then I must implore you and encourage you and challenge you that you need friends here. Inside this body. And say, I'm glad you got all these friends out there somewhere. Glad you got all these friends on Facebook. But you got to have some friends in here. You have got to have some friends in here that you can turn to because the writer goes on and he says this, 
He says, carry one another's burdens. He's already given us this disclaimer that the people that are not brethren, that are not spiritual, are not, they don't have the capacity to carry your burdens. I want you to understand that this, this statement that he makes in Galatians, I want you to understand that it is not only a mandate, it is a benefit. We have a mandate that we are to carry one another's burdens, but then we, there's also a benefit that we should expect out of friends, body friends, brethren, spiritual, that we can be carried as well. Right? Are you with me? But I want to make a statement to you. We, we are, we're not only called to carry, we can be carried. But I want to make this statement to you. Please listen to me. You can't carry if you're not connected. And you won't be carried if you're not connected. Okay, so y'all looking at me like I'm crazy, so let me try to help you. He says that we have a mandate that I am supposed to carry the burdens of my friends in this body. I'm supposed to carry your burdens. But if we're not connected, how in the world can I carry your burdens if we're not even connected for me enough to know your burdens? And here's the real problem that I see. I should have called this sermon, this whole sermon today rant because I've been on a rant all morning long. Here's, here's the real issue I have is a lot of us get angry and get disappointed and get mad at people in the body and at church to the point they will quit church because nobody carried my burden. But you weren't connected enough for anybody to know that you even had a burden. How can you expect people to carry a burden if you don't even connect with them? I got, y'all wouldn't believe, I got people calling me throughout the week on a regular basis. I pick up the phone. I don't recognize the number. I answer it, Passion Church. People that have never darkened the door, that have never come, never sat through one service, never listened to one song, never listened to one message, never experienced one greeter, call me out of the blue and say, hey, I just moved into town and I can't pay my bills. Would Passion Church pay my rent? No. Are you smoking crack? The truth is they probably are. They want, they're not connected. And yet they expect people that they're not connected to. Listen, we help people in need. We help people we don't know. But there is a line here that we've got to understand that we have a mandate to carry the people that we're connected to, but we cannot expect people to carry us if we're not connected. So here's what we'll do. We'll come to church. I'm glad, listen, I'm glad y'all come to church. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm so glad y'all come and worship week after week, week after week. We, in fact, we harp on it around here. Don't you hear us talk about it? It's on our signs. It's in our bulletin. It's on our newsletter. We talk about it all the time. We want you to encounter God. Encounter God. Listen, we said from day one that when we had time together in service that we want you to encounter God. If you don't encounter God, this is nothing more than self-help. So I want, some of y'all have been encountering God with us for a decade. I'm going crazy, y'all, because y'all come week after week and sit here and encounter God. Ooh, the music was so good. Oh, I felt God. Man, the preaching had a special speaker in, and it was incredible. And yet, we don't even know the name of the person in front of us. We're not connected. 
How can I connect with him if all I ever do is stare at the back of his head? This is ridiculous. So we do stupid stuff like this. It's like, hey, pastor, I need to talk to you about so-and-so. Uh, I know they've been coming here a while, but I don't know their name. You know, that crazy guy that sits on the front row over on the left? Yeah, that one, that one. You know, he's kind of tall, kind of slender. That guy over there. We don't even know their names well enough to, de- to determine who they are. We, I want to talk to you about that young lady. That young lady's been coming to church like she's been here since she was little. I mean, I know she used to be in, in teenage. Now she's, now she's in sanctuary. You know, she sits over here on the right side with her hair up in a little bun with the bobby pins back there. That girl over there, Pastor, you know who I'm talking about? No, why don't you know who you're talking about? But we worship. We worship. But we don't connect. And listen, I want to say something to you this morning. Connection starts in worship. But it must culminate in conversation. We got people that will leave early so they don't have to talk. They want to connect with God, but they don't allow any connection. So listen. We need this vertical connection with God where we encounter Him, but it is absolutely incomplete if we don't horizontally connect. Because how are you supposed to have your burdens carried if you're not connected? And who's missing their burdens being carried? Because here's the truth, not everybody's assigned to me and not everybody's assigned to you. So what about that one person that God had put you in this body for the sole purpose of carrying such and such person's burden, but they're the only person that God's assigned to them, and you don't know them, you don't even know their name, you've never had a conversation with them, you've encountered God next to them, but you've never stopped long enough to say, hey, what's going on? I need to know you. What's your name? Let's enter. And now their burden goes uncarried. Simply because we're not connected. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 